Welcome to another edition of Books That Make Us Better. It's been a lonely week for us since Lydia is on vacation, but have no fear, we recorded ahead. This episode is full of both good discussion and also a couple embarrassing moments. Megan tells us about a cringy email all scenario, and Jesse steps to the plate as our official Gen Z interpreter. Buckle up, this episode is a lot of fun. We believe the power to change lives is within ourselves. We believe with the right attitude, anything can be accomplished. We believe the amount of knowledge and insight available is limitless. But we don't think life should be taken too seriously. Books that make us better. An alpha media podcast. Now that I've okay, called Jesus, Jesus Christ hot, I think we can move on to the next chapter. He's pro- um, she's probably flattered. Probably. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Okay. So this was yet another really great chapter, I felt like. So Glennon talks about an email she received from an old acquaintance from the church that she left. And the email said, can I ask you something? I know that you and Abby, Abby love each other so much. It's really something. At the same time, I still believe that gayness is wrong. I want to be able to love you unconditionally, but I'd have to abandon my beliefs. What am I supposed to do with this? God conflict? question mark. And so Glennon wrote back to her and she said, first of all, thank you for understanding that that's a choice. I'm paraphrasing by the way. Um, thank you for not landing on, I love you, but, and so she essentially wants to say, or she essentially says, if you want to change me, you do not love me. If you feel warm towards me, but you also believe I'm going to burn in hell, you do not love me. If you wish me well, but you vote against my family being protected by the law, you do not love me. Thank you for understanding that to love me as yourself means you want for me and for my family what every good thing you want for yourself and your family. Anything less than that is not love. So then she goes on to say that she understands this conflict and she has experienced it. She still does. Um, This was essentially a challenge for her as well. Um, but she can only tell her what she has come to know herself. So essentially what she talks about is like the things that we believe, do we believe them because of what she said in the past, like our knowing, is this what we actually believe? Or is this something that, you know, an appointed spokesperson has taught us and then we start to believe. So I relate with Lydia when Lydia said she never felt like being gay was wrong, neither, never in my life as a religious person, have I felt that way? I don't today. I never have like that. It's just in my gut and in my heart, I do not feel that way. And so, you know, when she starts breaking this down, like, you know, when we feel those ways, sometimes it's an indoctrination. It's an echo of the voice of a teacher, a parent, a preacher, someone who has claimed to represent God to us. But she goes on to say, there is no gatekeeper. So none of this is easy. There is no outsourcing your faith. It is just you and God. And how, you know, some of the hardest and most important work of our lives is learning to separate the voices of teachers from wisdom, propaganda from truth, fear from love, and in this case, the voice of God's self-appointed representatives from the voice of God herself. And I thought, I just, this chapter kind of gives me the shivers, honestly. Yes. And I like her quote from Whitman in this, where it says, re-examine all you have been told in school or church or in any book and dismiss whatever insults your own soul. Yeah. 
I have to say yeah. when I heard and then read that the first time, I was like, this is dangerous. This is how you get people uh, not getting a COVID vaccine or not believing, you know, believing that a election was stolen because it goes against their soul. So I was like, <laughs> at first I was like, mm, this is dangerous. Um, but also like, yes, I'm, <laughs> I was two minds there. I felt like that was a a dangerous thing to say because <laughs> there's some <laughs> things you should just inherently believe but I think maybe this was meant more for like in the context of Christianity or like uh, maybe not Christianity but like your religion I get that <laughs> but overall overall I really took I the line concerned. about if you vote for something that could negatively impact me then you don't love me and I mean that's like how I look at elections a lot of times is like which candidate will negatively potentially impact the people I love or even I mean or in general like a marginalized group I mean I just feel like that is what like th that from this chapter really hit me I really liked at the very end too when she said perhaps the God conflict is not just about God perhaps it is God listen deep I mean, to challenge the things, I think that's hard. And I think it's something that I'm going through now. Um, there was a time, and I'm not even going to like timeline this because I don't even think that it's important. Though it is important for me to say this was not a conversation that I really had with my dad, who's a pastor. Um, but there was a situation that I was in where uh, we were in discussion of a boy who had a parent coming into the church who was trans. And uh, the leader of this group, who is a pastor, called this person an it. And I flipped my lid, not at the time, because that's just not uh, really who I am. I kind of sat on it for a while. Um, and by sat on it, I mean sat on it for the rest of the meeting. And then I got in my car and I called my dad and I said, this is why I did not go to church for eight years. This is why. Because that, it, first of all, first of all, the bathrooms that we have are single person bathrooms. I could go into the men's bathroom and, and it, no, it would not affect anybody. Nobody would notice. Nobody would care. I am in a room alone. The fact that this topic was even brought up, it just, it shouldn't have even been brought up. Um, but it's attitudes like that, that really make me angry. And I was so mad. And then, you know what I did the next day I sat down and I wrote a very kind hearted, thoughtful email to, him. <laughs> to the person who was awful. Yes. Kind hearted. Was it really? Cause mine would not have been. It what was, an, it was what a typical Iowan. Ugh. I quoted, I quoted quotes from a book that I had been reading um, called the book of joy, which is about Christian Christianity, but also Buddhism. And, um, you know, like I, I had examples of why I feel the way I feel. And like, you know, it was, I feel like I got my point across, but I also did it in a way that I could feel respectful about myself, uh, you know, and cause I never want to go back later and think like, gosh, I was a real asshole. I'd rather just like wait till the asshole wears off and then email. Ooh, is, I mean, I so wise. <laughs> really what i would not do that i would be the one that'd be like 
Oops. Well, well, it's there now. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like Megan. <laughs> Sometimes I, I know myself if I don't include swear words. Yes. That's when I'm like, you did a good job, Lydia. Yeah. I mean, there's been a few times I've had conversations with, with Jesse and Jesse has said, well, you're a better person than I, because here's how I would have reacted. And it's always like for her being five foot one, five foot two, she's very scary. Like when Jesse gets angry, like she's a scary gal. So, and I, I say that as well. I like to refer to it as passionate. And so I am very passionate about things. And sometimes my passion is very um, uncontrollable in situations. And so, but I am also the first to take a step back afterwards and apologize if needed. Or I just, sometimes I feel like points can be better made in the moment. And I know there is time and place for everything. And I have found myself in the wrong time and place on more than my fair share of occasions and rightfully so. But Sometimes when you are so passionate about something, like waiting it out, I think is a disservice. It's a disservice to your like energy in that situation. And and sometimes if it turns out bad, yeah, it burns you. But sometimes it also turns out so good. And your point is so well made and they see how passionate you are about it. So, but yeah, sometimes I tell Kayla that I, this is what I would do. Not saying I, you need to do it this way. <laughs> But also get back to me in a couple hours. Not that it'll change, but it would probably be, there would be less oomph behind it, which sometimes like, isn't a good thing. I think to your point also, Jesse, that you, when you address it head on right away, you don't let that person go walking around thinking they're right. They don't need to do that because, I mean, think about how many other people they could affect mm-hmm. in thinking that they, they said the right thing. If you just let them get away with it. <clears throat> I've I've also found in a lot of these situations, like after the fact, there's always people that come up and are like, I'm so glad you said something. I'm so glad you did that. I'm so glad because they weren't willing to be vulnerable or to be a little bit louder or to point out some things that may be obvious to other people in the room. And so sometimes I'm okay being that person, like I'll, I'll, I'll say the piece guys and then later you guys can email me and be like thanks a lot and I'll be like but nobody had my back but again, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I refuse to hide behind an invisible army I'm not going to sit there and say oh well everybody thinks this I'm just going to say I think this and this is how I feel and there may be others chime in anytime guys but um, <laughs> it, that's okay I guess my thing is one time, uh, and this is a true ass story from the Kayla Joe files. I had a manager uh, screaming at me and he said, and I quote, I will never forget this as long as I live. I will yell at you now. He didn't say this kindly or calmly, or I will rip your fucking face off in front of everybody at the manager's meeting tomorrow. And I said, okay, proceed. Um, Also probably not that calm, but I think that was such a lesson to me in not embarrassing someone in front of other people. And so are there times that I've gotten upset and yelled? Yes. Well, I don't really yell, but I've talked sternly and swore. Um, But generally to me, I've got to read the room and I got to address it in a way that I feel comfortable with too. But I will say, I did not let anyone get away with anything. I just handled it a day later. But you know, 
Good. I think sometimes too, in certain situations, like we as women um, might feel like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like it's okay to show that I'm educated about a, a topic. It's okay to show that I might know more than maybe my male counterpart or that I might have more experience. Most times in my life, I experience situations with people who think that there's no way I could have the knowledge I have because of my age. It's never really been a female issue. It's been a, you're too young to know anything about anything. And so it's been more, and I, I just refuse to sit there and be like, okay, you're right. There's no way I could know anything about anything. Cause I'm 20 something. Um, but I'm the closest to being out of school compared to anyone else in this room. So I have the freshest education. <laughs> I don't know. I, so I guess that's also been me too. Is like, I'm not gonna, to play that role anymore of, I have to like wait my time to be able to speak. I would snap to that. I love it. We are. Can, can I share, share a cringy story that's along the lines of, of Jesse, uh, like people being like, Oh my God, I'm so glad. It's cringy. It's cringy. Um, Please tell it. Okay. It's not cringy anymore. It's chuggy. Oh, okay. It's... No. Did you say chuggy? I don't understand that word. Did they, oh, did they make it up? But every episode has to have something like that. Okay. Why? For the for the Gen Zers not listening, it's chuggy. Um anyway, I so there was an email sent out um in the wine world, the Iowa wine world, and I, I I'm I'm pretty close friends with um the person who sent the email. And so I replied to her and I, it was about um, a competition, a wine competition coming up. And I said, are you going to get new judges this year? They pick the same winners every year. Now this is something everybody in this association knows. Um, and we all know it's rigged and that it's been, <laughs> okay, it's not rigged anymore, but it was. Um, and so anyway, Moving on. We knew it was rigged. Um, so I sent the email and Amanda says, my sister-in-law and Anne, they're both there at the table with me. And they said, did you mean to send that email to me? And I was like, fuck, this is a reply all moment. Oh, no. Oh, I replied to the entire Iowa Wine Growers Association. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, and so I had to do a retraction, not like a real retraction, but like I sent an email. I was like, this is my opinion is not reflect the opinion of the entire winery. And then after I sent that email, I got like 10 more emails that were like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you said something because it's so true. It happens every single year. And this blah, blah, blah always wins. And I was like, so we're good. We, <laughs> is it okay? I need um I need to retract my comment because this story is definitely cringy and not chuggy. <laughs> this is cringy. I literally I like my face I physically hurt for you. My was, face was like, <laughs> like I was like, no. It was, it was pretty bad. Um, so I learned my lesson. I double triple check, and I watch. I monitor myself. Um, in public forums. Good call. Um, like where where things are written down. If I'm if I'm speaking things, there's always that like I didn't say that. You can always say that. <laughs> so 
<laughs> you can bring a little bit of seed of doubt. Anyway, so that was um that's my story. Um, that was we have, great. We have new judges. I need you to know that. It did work. So I don't know. I don't know if there's actually a real lesson to be learned. Hey kids, don't reply all, but also rock the boat. Yes. Yes. All right. We have one last chapter left. Streams. So in streams, Glennon and her sister are taking some time to go through the boxes and boxes and boxes of letters that Glennon receives from fans and people that, you know, write to her. And, you know, she was spending hours reading them. She picks a couple of days a week to do that. And through the process, uh, she just kind of gets reacquainted with the fact, and she's always known this, that she, she says, we're all so fucked up and so magical. Life is so brutal and beautiful. Life is brutiful. And um, as she's reading these letters with her sister, um, she starts to bring up the uh, philanthropic things she had been doing with Together uh, Rising, her nonprofit organization that seeks to help um, a variety of different groups. Um, but she speaks mostly about, um, you know, migrant children. Um, and she came to a, I don't want to say a realization, but she read a quote one day that really made her stop and think. And the quote was, there comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find why they're falling in. And this is a quote that I had seen before. And it's something that we definitely, uh, I don't want to say that we use specifically like in our district, but just in education and thinking about like, we can't just always be the people pulling people out of the streams. Like how can we make systematic change that keeps people from falling in in the first place and she goes on to discuss that you know people falling in the river profit somebody and so it's figuring out who is profiting from these people who are suffering and and a lot of times the people that end up praising organizations for helping people are the ones that are contributing to the problem or a problem of some kind. And so she, you know, just keeps kind of reiterating this uh, and and both scenario. It's you, it's not just enough to be the, the support and the help. You have to be the person seeking the problem and being an advocate for that. You can't just try to support or help the situation you also have to try to remedy it if you want to see true change and so she says that a lot of people who really do get into philanthropy also get into that activism role because it's an and or both scenario can i have a moment here may i have a moment i gotta say the other day i had an engagement prior engagement and i looked at the clock and i said I'm going to be a little late because I'm emailing my local government. And I said, and I quote, every philanthropist, if she is paying attention, eventually becomes an activist. Dot, dot, dot. We become injustices, foot soldiers. Oh, sorry, Scarlett. Sorry. (laughs) Sit back down. And that was amazing. The passion. (laughs) And I meant what I said. And I think that is true because if something, if you're paying attention and something's not getting ran right, well, eventually it's going to piss you off enough for you to do something about it. Make some people uncomfortable. Yeah. It's going to happen. And then I did. And then I had anxiety. Oh, yes. I know (laughs) that feeling. The natural, 
the natural stuff. Didn't you have anxiety while you were emailing? Like, weren't your hands shaking? No, I was on a mission. I had a point to prove. Every time I had to speak about freaking mask stuff, I was like, and we need masks. You know, like I can't even talk. I'm like trying to drink. I'm gonna die. Oh, but like, no, yeah, was... seriously, can't handle it. Oh no, gosh. I mean, I don't know if it's because I talk for money, which that does not sound right. She talks for money. She does lots of things for money. Do you have a for uh, you page? <laughs> I've heard it's lucrative. Or no, only only fans. Only fans. <laughs> for you. Page. Like, for you yeah, page. I talk about TikTok all the time. Wrong platform. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was so chuggy. <laughs> was very chuggy. <laughs> well, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I agree with Glennon once again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like how she ends it with let's keep pulling folks out of the river forever. And every single day, let's look upstream and give living hell to the ones pushing them in. Yeah. Living think- hell. Yeah, this really spoke to me on the education side, too, because I know that I've been in a ton of scenarios where there are a pocket full of people who feel like there are external factors outside of our school that will always not allow for progress. And while they can be a challenge and a hurdle and, you know, something that is maybe not working with us, I don't think that's ever a reason to say, well, we can't do anything about it, so let's move on. Uh-uh. And so I think we always, and again, I'm just saying there's just pockets of people. This isn't an overwhelming like majority, but it is fun to be in meetings like that and, and be able to use that analogy of like, okay, well, we have to look upstream and something's happening. And then even if it's, no matter how out of control we feel, there's always, I feel like there's always something we can do. Oh, mm-hmm. there's always something. There's yeah. a way. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. you were yeah. at the top of my mind reading this chapter, Jesse, because I was like, this, I mean, it, it, like, even in the sense that if you had a student who was like disruptive or whatever, addressing not just his behavior, but like, why are you acting this way? Like, there oh, is the reason behind it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. and nine times out of 10, the reason breaks your heart. And so yes. you always go into a situation where, the reason that any of this is happening is probably going to keep me up at night. And so how can you not have compassion and empathy and just that, like, I want to know more about you so that I can understand this. Um, And, and sometimes it is like, I do it with adults and I do it with kids. There are frustrating situations where we just have to sit down and say, we're going to find a will, a way or an excuse. So which one are we picking? Because we don't have time to like, lollygag about it so are we finding a will are we finding a way or are we just going to find an excuse why it can't be done and then we all just say okay well excuse isn't an option so now we're going to find a will and a way and what are those and so then it's steps like let's make progress let's make moves and so it we have really good groups of people that that's their main priority is like action steps moving forward not talking in circles and being on this never-ending hamster wheel where we don't make any progress Lydia, let's write that down. I love that. Honestly, I'm going to Everyone that in needs my to life. get themselves. Will away or an excuse. Sorry. What are we doing? Yes. Let's just pick it. Let's pick our path. If we're just going to say, if we're here for 30 and and not that there isn't time and place, like there are some times where we just need 30 minutes to vent and all we can think of is excuses and mm-hmm. that's okay. But like it can extend a certain time slot. And like, if we just need to get that out and, and there's a lot of, I think ways you can apply that in life outside of just work. But yeah, sometimes I need 
to be, do that more personally. Like, what am I doing right now? Is what am I doing? Uh, is what am I do? Is what am I doing right now a will away or an excuse? I find myself in the excuse category a little bit. Jesse, can we have a moment to talk about your personal training? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am a, my workouts are. I have come up with the analogy that I am a crock pot. I am a six-hour slow cooker when it comes to personal training. I the the hit workout. No, this means, Jesse, this is what it means. It means Jesse wants her heart rate in the 120s for the entire workout. It means if we go above 135, she's going to tell me that she's about to die. I'm, which is I'm not maxing true. out. She's not died yet. But I want you to know that the will away or an excuse will be brought up uh, from here on you out. Yeah, yourself in the foot. Yes, <laughs> But I will, I will continue to use the crockpot analogy and that um, I would like everything to be a slow simmer. I love, I love that you chose a like cooking analogy. I'm here just like drooling over nature analogies and Jesse's like, I'm a crockpot. Um, you and I need to have some kick-ass analogies that fit our yeah. preferences. And I know. I don't have any. I'm, I'm a have tree. To really think on it. I got nothing. I'm not. I love original. lamp. I, am, I don't know. I love lamp. <laughs> Sorry, I took it there. That is how I feel about my part in this. I love lamp. <laughs> my spirit animal. <laughs> Some lamp. Did we do spirit animals anymore, Jesse? Um, I don't think it's chuggy yet. Can I just mention that Jesse's officially become our chugometer? Chugometer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get to, to decide how chuggy something is that we are doing. Thank you for listening to another episode of Books That Make Us Better. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast player and follow our Facebook page, Books That Make Us Better. Next episode will be available next Friday at 5 a.m. We'll talk to you then.